team. Whew, good morning. I know we're still in a COVID reality and touchless gatherings, but maybe just take a second and turn to someone around you you haven't made eye contact with yet. Creep them out a little. Make eye contact with them. Wave at them. Just say, hey, guys. It's good to see you this morning. Some of you are like, man, thank God we don't do handshake and hugs anymore. I'm tired of getting that from people. But we'll still creep you out with an eye-to-eye contact every once in a while. Oh, well, a few months ago, uh, I had a situation um, with our three boys, and uh, we were wrapping up our family vacation. And uh, before we go on family vacation every year, I take uh, Jackson and Wilson and soon-to-be Weston, and we go on a boys' camping trip. So it's like our guy time, and we get to go do that. And that's a lot of fun. So we take three or four days every year and do that. We did that this year, and then we immediately went on family vacation, and we went to Branson. It's like every kid's dream, right, for three days. And then we stopped at Bass Pro Museum on the way back, and then Heather had to drag Wilson and I out of there, because that's our dream, to be in that place. And then we went to the lake, Lake the Ozarks, and we swam and hung out, and jet skis, all kinds of fun. It was just like 10 days of lots of yeses, 10 days of just downtime, so much fun, no stress, just chilling out. And then we got back home and we finished up our vacation with a couple days at home, just kind of stay at home. And it was like day one and everything just broke loose. Like the boys are at each other's throats and they're picking at each other and everybody's got terrible attitudes. And as a dad who just spent all kinds of hard earned money (laughs) on this vacation, carved out three days with the boys, when we go to camp, I tell Heather, if she comes down, I'm just like, here's what camp is. It's yes. She goes, what do you mean? I'm like, I say yes to everything at camp. Like, we're not going to get any trouble. Hey, Dad, can we go playing cornhole at 10 o'clock at night and turn on the pavilion lights even though it's lights off? Sure, we'll see what happens. You know, like, we just do it. Yes day. So I had all these yeses, all this fun, and here they are griping and complaining, and I was frustrated to the hilt, and I let them know I was upset. I didn't, like, tell them they just knew. You ever have those moments? And I called them out, and I got mad at them, and I yelled at them, and I sent them all to their room. And that was okay, right? Because I was really nice for 10 days. (laughs) So I got the right, like, I've done all that for 10 days. Now surely I have the right to come in and just let them know how it is, like to be really tough. So I was really nice and really tough. And I think if we even that out, then that should be okay. But it wasn't. Like, I didn't feel any better about it. They sure didn't feel better about it. It didn't help the situation. But what I needed was a little good news, like Greg proclaimed off the top of the day, that Jesus doesn't walk a tightrope between grace and truth. He fully embodies both. And this is real love. And Jesus invites us to live in and through this love. And as we embody both grace and truth in our relationships, they will grow deeper and stronger than they ever could from trying to walk a tightrope between nice and tough. Grace and truth. Real love. But when we tend to think about love, we think of like the times when love's easy. Like when everything's going good with you and your spouse. Or the kids are listening well. Or when you're country pop Pandora station playing a love song. 
Let's be honest, that's all they play. But when I'm on my tractor, that's what I listen to. Just think about Heather, my country boy, my love songs. But what happens when it's more difficult and like your spouse is upset with you or he or she like really hurts you or the kids aren't behaving? What happens then to love? Because I think often what we end up feeling like we're doing is we feel like we're walking this tightrope between, okay, I got to be a little nicer over here. Like I got to, now I got to be a little tough. You guys ever feel like you're doing that? Like you're just like, oh, I'm walking tough. I got to be nice. I got to be, and Nobody wins out. And you know why that feels so hard to do that? Because in the circus, it looks cool. We see somebody doing over the Grand Canyon. That looks fun. But in our life, it's not fun because what's at stake is relationships. And we're walking a tightrope between being tough and being nice in our relationships. And it feels like if we don't get it right, everything is going to fall apart. I want to go back to the scripture that Greg read at the beginning. I want us to unpack that a little bit. Here's what it says in uh, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Now remember, at this point, there wasn't really like who God was, like this invisible God. And now all of a sudden the invisible God is visible turns out he looks like Jesus, just like Jesus, full of grace and truth. And that is good news because he doesn't walk a tightrope. Aren't you glad? Between grace and truth. He fully embodies both. And that is the real love that we should model our lives after. And he invites us in to live in it, accept it, to live through it. And as we embody grace and truth in our relationships, it radically transforms them in a way that we couldn't when we're walking that tightrope. Today, I get to introduce a tool that I love. It's changing my life. It's changing my life. And it's going to help you get a better, like, idea of what it looks like to, like, how do we live in this grace and truth? And this is what it is. It's the grace and truth matrix. Let's put this up here. That's it. We're going to unpack this a little bit. You can see we have high grace, low grace, high truth, and low truth. And we're going to walk in and we're going to see what it looks like to live in grace and truth. But before we dive into like grace and truth side, I think we need to see the shadow side of it. Number one, that's where we find ourselves going to sometimes. It's where I find my, found myself going to. So let's, let's first look at the first one here. This is, let's see, Elena. Yeah, this is it. This is high truth, low grace. Call this call out. Now, I probably don't have to give much illustration as to what this looks like because you probably know what it looks like. You've probably either done it or you've been on the receiving end of it. But call out is a moment like I experienced. You just call them out. I see this happen a lot on Facebook, by the way. A lot. Just call them out. And sometimes we'll even put a little thing. Hey, listen, this isn't up for discussion. I don't want to hear what you got to say. I'm just dropping my truth right now, calling you out. Or in face-to-face conversations, we might say, this is just tough love. It's just what it is right now. This is the tough love. This is the truth. And a lot of times in face-to-face, it's about calling out the things that are right. 
and doing it the right way. Like, life is about doing things the right way. And if you don't, I'm going to call you out. And like in my home, I'm really bad about this. Like, there's a right way to do things. You know that, right? And there's some wrong way to do things. If you don't do it the right way, I'm going to pick apart all this stuff because we've got to do it the right way. Is anybody else like that in here? Anybody with me on that? Thank you. Good. Here's what call-out focuses on. A lot of times you can realize this. External goals, leveraging power to bring others in line. If you're a parent, you've been in this place before. You are going to listen to me right now. Why? Because I have the power. And you will do what I say. That is call-out. Now let's move to this other one. This is high grace, low truth. It's called hangout. Hangout sounds fun. <laughs> hangout is opposite of call out, okay? So in hangout, this is about making sure that everybody feels good. Everybody's happy. We're going to avoid all the tough conversations. If you're a call out person, this makes you angry. Just right now, listen to this. <laughs> Doesn't mean you're right. So you're still a little proud about that. We'll get there. But we want everybody to be happy. Like, the, everybody needs to be happy. The kids need to be happy. Like, they like doing it. Let's do that. What do you guys like? What do you guys want? We'll just do it at the sake of, for the sake of whatever else is going on. We're going to do that so everybody is happy. Like, happy's the point anyway, right? And then you could probably say, so everybody's happy, dot, dot, dot. Are they really happy? Because most of the time, I don't think they are in situations like that. But it's keeping the peace. And here's the problem with this. It disempowers others. So call out overpowers others. Hang out disempowers others. By denying their agency in whatever it is that they're dealing with and taking on others' responsibilities, almost as if you're saying, it's my responsibility to make sure you're happy and take care of everything and make sure everything's together. And we do this out of a good heart, but it has really bad repercussions. It keeps people dependent on you. So there's call out, there's hang out, and then this bottom left one. This is low truth, low grace. Check out. Now for me, when I call out and that doesn't work, and I typically run up here to hang out and that doesn't work, finally I just check out. And where check out is when you hide when you medicate to deal with things, when you disconnect, or sometimes you even want to give up. And listen, checkout is not rest. So this isn't, I'm just going to check out and rest. So a few years ago, I found myself on Mondays in checkout. So Mondays, I was doing really good, carving it out. No, nope, not taking calls. I'm off on Monday. It's my day of Sabbath, my day of rest. But Sabbath is supposed to be renewing. Sabbath is supposed to be uh, a good connection with God. And you're supposed to feel refueled after that. And I was this close to, I think, burnout. Because I was in checkout. And checkout is a bad place to be. It's a terrible place to visit. It's a really bad place to be. And I think I found myself in checkout. And what checkout does is it's self-protection. You withhold power. So if you're in a situation where you roll over and don't say goodnight or don't say I love you, you're in checkout. 
You're withholding power from someone else. And luckily for me, I have some really good friends. I've got a good counselor who I saw Friday too. He's doing good too. I've got other people. I've got a great wife who can help me unpack that and help bring me out of checkout. So if you find yourself in checkout, like you're there, you know you're there, you identify this, get some help. Talk to some, one of us, talk to a counselor, get some help because you probably can't get yourself out of checkout by yourself. I know I couldn't. I needed other people to help me with this. But when I talk through these three things, hang out, call out, and check out, I see everybody's identification of those, like, yep, that's where I go most of the time. Yep, that's me most of the time. We notice this stuff, right? We, we know when we get there, and it doesn't mean that you, you might be in all three of those at one time. You might be in call out down here with something with your spouse. You might be in hangout up here with something with your kids right now going on. You might be in checkout at work. Like, you could be in all of them at one time. It's not like you just go to one. But ultimately, we recognize that we can go there. And we end up here because this is all on our own strength, by the way. So it's not like, oh, I'm just living over here with God and check out. I mean, yeah, he's present and with you all the time. But this isn't his power. This is your own strength, your own power. This is you trying to operate in your own kingdom in your own way. You know what the Bible calls that? Anybody want to guess? Anybody? Starts with an S, ends with an N. It's got one letter in the middle of it. (laughs) Bible calls that sin. It's living our own way on our own power. That's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is Jesus doesn't walk a tightrope between grace and truth. He fully embodies both. And that is the real love that we're talking about. And Jesus invites us to live in it and through it. And when we embody both grace and truth in our relationships, they will grow deeper and stronger than they ever could with us trying to walk a tightrope and landing and call out, check out, or hang out. God's kingdom, his way of living things. And Jesus's life It's different than how we typically want to live. It's full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And it's out of a deep motivation for selfless love, not selfish love. So how do we do that? Like what what even is grace? Like what even is truth? If we're going to say this is going to be grace and truth, like, what are those things in the first place? Well, John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, and this is really important, grace and truth came through Jesus. So grace wasn't intended to deal with sin. Okay, that's how we approach it a lot of times. And does it help us deal with our sin? Yeah, but that wasn't the intended purpose is to deal strictly with sin Grace was invented way back in the beginning of time. Grace existed before the world was created because grace is God's giving of himself in relationship. Grace is God's empowering presence that reaches out to connect and be with us in relationship. It's beautiful. It's why it's such good news for our relationships, because guess whose idea it was to have relationship? It was God's in the beginning. This was the garden. Relationship with us. 
And his grace was built into that from the very beginning. Grace says this. Grace says, I see you. I hear you. I'm with you. I want to be with you. And we see this play out in a really beautiful way in John chapter 8. And there's this woman who's caught in adultery. And the Pharisees, they bring her out in front of everybody. It'd be like bringing her up here today. Hey, guys, let me call her out. I want to tell you what's going on. They said, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now what do you say, Jesus? And they were using this as a question to trap him in order to have a basis for accusing him. They wanted to stone the woman caught in adultery. The law condemns her. This is not the truth that Jesus is bringing. What's Jesus do? He bent down, started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who's without sin be the first one to throw the stone. Again, he stooped down, started to write in the ground. And at this, those who heard began to walk away one at a time, the oldest one first, until Jesus was the only one left with the woman still standing there. Can you imagine that? So she's brought up here. We all say, that's truth. Jesus comes up and says, all right, start throwing some stones, and you guys all walk out of here. And it's just her and Jesus. What would that feel like? Jesus straightened up and he said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus doesn't condemn her. He simply meets her in reality, names her reality. He names the bad news and he gives her some good news and some truth telling and he helps her see and choose something different and go do something in a spirit of grace, but grounded in truth. She didn't have to hide. She didn't have to perform. Jesus doesn't open up and tell her all these different things. Instead, he just meets her in reality so beautifully and so compelling. You see the difference between call out? Between other people's truth, sometimes they just want to come in and tell you how it is. Jesus' truth telling is about seeing people as God sees them calling them into love to live out their true identity in Christ. It's why this is good news, and I want you to catch it. Jesus doesn't walk a tightrope between grace and truth. He fully embodies both of them. And this is the real love that Jesus invites us to live in and through. And when we embody that grace and truth in our relationships with our spouse, with our kids, with our coworkers, on Facebook, those relationships will go deeper and stronger than they ever could from trying to walk a tightrope between nice and tough. So here's what I'm getting at. You can't add a little call out and a little hang out and end up with grace and truth. That's not what Jesus is doing. That's not what he calls us into. It's something brand new, something totally different. It's full of grace and full of truth. So I think so far, you're with me. 
And I think right now you may be going, man, that sounds good. Now tell me how to do it, and let me go out of here and work really hard, and I'll do it. You see the problem with that question, right? That is what we do too often. Give me the checkbox. I'll go check it. We have to rethink this. We have to understand that this is a different way of thinking. This isn't all up to us. Call out, check out, hang out, up to us. Call in grace and truth, something different. It's why we have to learn from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. This is something different. It's why, it's, it's why Brian reminded us of this last week. It's so important that we are free to receive what God has already given you in Christ. He's already given it. We have to receive it. And you can love others because you have all the love that you were looking for. Everything that is in Christ is in you. So you get to bring your true self and embody grace and truth. And it's why we're giving 10 practices. These are really important. And this practice is this. I embody grace and truth. That's the practice. The tool in the training, the grace and truth matrix. How does that work? Well, as we learn from Jesus how to embody this true love, our defenses come down and we become to receive the grace and to live that out. That's why I say he invites us into this love. And when we embody it, it changes our relationships. So for me, I found myself, after just calling my boys out, sitting on the edge of the couch, trying my hardest to feel justified for what I did. <laughs> like I felt like I did it. I walked the tightrope. I was good for 10 days. And now my wrath has come down on them. It was nice and tough. But I knew at the core of me, because I also have been using this tool in my life for the last several years, last couple years, I knew inside of me I needed to go back to call in. That's where I needed to go. So I had a choice to make. Am I gonna, am I gonna go to checkout and just ignore it? I'm sitting there contemplating all this stuff, by the way. So it's not like I just magically go, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm just gonna do that. I'm sitting there going, am I just gonna go to checkout and say, no, that's fine, whatever. Am I going to go to hang out and go downstairs and be like, hey, guys, I'm sorry, my bad. You guys get out of your rooms, go play. Or am I going to move back to call in to where them place that I embody grace and truth? And that day, I moved to check out and watched a movie. <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> It'd be a terrible ending to this story, by the way. I moved back to call in, and this is an example for me. So this isn't a one-to-one -one correlation of how you should do this in your life. This is about, this is how I'm responding to this. How I'm responding to this good news and how I moved back into call-in. And I went downstairs and I asked them to come to the family room and we sat down and I sat on the ottoman and I apologized to them at the beginning. I didn't just say, hey, you guys are free to go. But I was like, man, I'm sorry for getting angry. And I, and I say this often because it's never justified. So... No matter what they've done, I, I cannot get that angry at them. Like, I cannot do it. So I let them know that it's not justified. And I, I asked them questions about our vacation. Like, what was your favorite part? Like, let's talk about what we did over the last 10 days. And they talked about stuff that they liked doing. And we laughed and talked about those things. And I expressed to them, like, what I was feeling earlier was, like, I thought all the good was behind you. 
Like, I, I thought you didn't appreciate any of it. I thought that, like, none of that mattered. And I felt so, like, used as a parent and, like, didn't, like, like none, of it, none of it mattered. I just, that's how I felt, boys. And they were like, oh, Dad, we're so sorry, you know. And we didn't mean to make you feel. And now this is a conversation from a 44-year-old to a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 3-year-old, okay? But it was a really good conversation. And what I felt like we did is we moved back to call in. And we had this great moment to realize what had taken place in our life and why we had gone there. And I'd owned them. Listen, I went to call out and they apologized. And, And you know what happened that day? Our relationship grew a little stronger, a little deeper than it ever would have if I just would have kept trying to walk this tightrope between tough and nice. Something different took place. And when it comes to the best way to practice this, so this is call-in. First off, I want, we, we always think of balance. So you're probably thinking you're in the middle of that square and you need to move somewhere. That's balance. We're not in balance mode. You know where we should live? Call-in. That is where I live with my boys most of the time, is in call-in. But what happens is I notice when I move out of there. So one of the best practical ways that you could start using this tool is realize this is where I live with Jesus. This is where I embody grace and truth. This is how I love like Jesus. I love like him when I embody grace and truth. And a great practice for you is to notice when you go out of that area. When you go out of there, when you start to overpower somebody else, when right becomes the most important thing over love, you've probably moved to call out. When you start to go into self-protection, you've probably moved into checkout. When you start withholding power for yourself and self starts to be the identifier, you're probably in checkout. When you start avoiding tough conversations and you feel like things are getting a little tense and I just want to try to make it okay and I give him a blue sucker instead of doing anything else. Not saying blue sucker can't be part of it, but if that's your go-to, you might be in hangout. So the idea isn't that, okay, how do I make sure I'm, how do I make sure I'm moving to call in constantly? No, we are in call in. Why? Because everything that we've already been given, we just have to receive And because grace and truth exists in our life, we get to live in it and through it. So we don't have to figure out how do I stay in call-in? How do I go to call-in? We just are in call-in. We got to realize when we've stepped out of that, oh gosh, I need to go back to call-in. What does that look like? And I can't give you a four-point thing of this is what it looks like. What it looks like is you're embodying grace and truth. What it looks like is you've been with Jesus. What it looks like is he's transforming you from the inside out and you move with him in that relationship. And you don't act on your own power. It's grace and truth. And it will change your relationships. 